Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Sunday evening. I can't wait to get this started, so let's ciao. Welcome to Sunday Night Evening Show. I cannot wait to get started. Like I always say, please love and support whoever comes on here. And just show them love and support and make them feel welcome. And please, let's welcome Chris. Hey, Chris, how are you? Hello, hello. Good to see you. Good to see you. I can't believe you're here after all this time that I have known you. What's well, a good time. Yes, it will. So how is everything? Things are things are pretty good. I'm I'm trying to prepare myself for a, a big project that's uh, going to come out in the fall, and so I'm trying to get myself ready emotionally, mentally. I've gone on that Atkins diet to lose like 36 pounds the past two months. Oh, that's, that's been difficult, but I I want to make sure <laughs> that when I'm out there, I do my best to look and feel good, so I don't say years right. later, if only I tried harder. Well, to me, you look fabulous. Oh, thanks. So tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I am a dual certified New York State history teacher, grade seven through 12. I'm a proud grandpa, my little granddaughter named Sylvia. I love her so much. I have two children. I'm married. I have a blue car. <laughs> I have a cat <laughs> named Shampoo. You know, um, I like baseball. I used to run marathons when I was a kid. Um, I'm very proud of the friends that I have. Uh, so I think I'm, I'm very lucky. Uh, tough life that I have, and but mostly I, I talk about what happened to me at college that gave me the nickname the Ghost Boy of Geneseo. Yep. So, well, since you brought that up, so tell us a little bit about how that all came to be with the with your story. Sure. Well, um, I think like many kids, I wanted to go to college because I was a good student. And I mm -hmm. thought that'd be nice to get a, an education or a degree where I could make some money. And, you know, because my grandparents, the Great Depression, I heard stories of hardship. I don't want to suffer too much. I thought, well, how can I do that? I go to college, get a degree and get a good job. And so that's what I did. And I was lucky that I ran very fast. I was a nationally ranked runner for distances. And that allowed me to better afford college. And I ended up going to a state university in New York called Geneseo. And it was beautiful. We had brick lined buildings with ivy on the walls and a big valley below us. There was a, a small main street with a, a sub shop and a stationary store and pizza place, music. It was beautiful. And uh, 
I was having a really, really good time there until uh, something changed. And that was into town rolled the Warrens, Ed and Lorraine Warren. And at that time, they were called demonologists. And they were famous mm -hmm. from something called the uh, Amityville Horror. And so my friend Jeff, who lived in the dorm with me, Erie Hall, uh, said, let's go see them. I'm like, oh, no, it's ghosts. I don't really see. Come on, it's free. I said, well, okay, well, if it's free, why not? I can afford free. And off we went. And at that presentation, it was pretty interesting. Um, uh, Lorraine was was just simply elegant and beautiful. Uh, she she spoke with authority, and she seemed to mean what she was saying. She, they talked about spirits and shadows, and they played these sounds they called EVPs, and it was really strange. And I don't know if I believed it or not, but it was certainly a, a good show. And at the end of this experience, we got to go say hello. And when I got to the stage, Lorraine Ward would not shake my hand. And Ed tossed me off the stage and Lorraine said, I won't, I don't know my future. Don't talk to me about my future. And I know what that meant. And then 10 days later, as if they called it, a haunting began in my dorm, uh, room C2D1. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's crazy. Um, so when you were in your, your college dorm and you felt this happening, do you was curious why or do you think that you were the one being haunted? Well, I didn't at that point know that people could be haunted. I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, I thought <laughs> that perhaps, oh, I didn't know. I was a teenager and I thought maybe yeah. it was a gas leak in the room or maybe someone put drugs in my food or it was hypnosis or mass hysteria. Or I was trying to look for rationales to why I was hearing this ghost, this thing say, press in my room. You know, I couldn't figure out quite what it was. And then we began to see that in the room like what they call now a uh, full bad apparition and we got pictures of it and we got his voice on tape it became a very very interesting case and i think because we tried to disprove it and we couldn't do it we had a priest bless the room it was just an amazing time scary but looking back amazing wow that's crazy um so did you ever when this happened did you ever feel um uh, look into the history of the building well, you would think that's the case, right? Because you want to know what's happening to you. But I wasn't an investigator. I, did, I wasn't looking for answers. I wanted to make it stop because I want to run and go to school and pass my classes and dance and listen to music, play baseball. So I didn't want to know. I just wanted it to end. So luckily, my friend, John Jeff Unger, I call him Jeff, uh, who brought me to the Warren Lecture, I like these kind of things, just curious about them. And uh, he began to document what was happening and began to develop some theories as to what could be occurring. Was was it a case of something following me home? Did the Warrens bring it? Was it someone who killed themselves in the building? So whenever I saw this thing, it would have a tilted head, like as though its neck was snapped. And that scared the heck out of me, you know? And my roommate, Paul, my roommate, um, he was scared too by this thing. We would see it all times in the evening. It would touch our legs and stuff. And it was really horrific you know so i didn't i didn't know i just thought if i learned too much about this thing it might attach it to me even more i didn't want to be its friend i didn't it scared me and so i just tried to uh, uh, run away from it and throw things at it but years later when things calmed down i did try to do some research but i have to tell you that most of the time i was running away going ah and throwing things that was the, <laughs> the things i did most of the time well, if I saw something like that and didn't understand ghosts, um, 
that age, I would be like freaking out too. I'd be like, oh, what's happening here? Is this a prank from somebody else or is this really happening to me? Like, I wouldn't even know where to even start with that. I didn't use Ouija boards. Um, I didn't drink. I didn't, I didn't do things you associate sometimes with either not understanding what's happening or inviting the dead with you, you know? And so I didn't do those things. And there was, I was confused why, if I didn't like these things, it would find me. If you think about that, there are a lot of people who do pursue answers in the paranormal, right? They, mm -hmm. they go on ghost investigations, they buy equipment, they, they go to psychic mediums to understand. I, that was never me. I never wanted those things. And yet here I was face to face with this full body apparition. People love to have that, right? And I have these EVPs oh, yeah. where the thing is saying, help me, Chris, with the voice. So the things people were looking for, they were kind of forced on me. I didn't, I didn't really understand that. I didn't know, I didn't know that it must mean something. I just, I kept telling God, if, if you're up there, you got the wrong guy. I just find somebody. <laughs> else, I, just, I just can't do this. And I think when, you know, you find yourself on a bathroom floor bleeding from your back, or you find your friend held out of their bed or knocked unconscious in the room, it really scares you, you know, because this is not what you signed up for. No, not at all. So, Sit, that picture that you have is that I've seen is absolutely incredible. Did you take the photo knowing it was there, or did you just happen to take the photo that one of those days that happened to appear in the picture? The image of the skeleton, right, mm -hmm. in, by the wall yeah. of my bed. Yeah, uh, I saw it, you know, and uh, that's one of the odd things is that everyone has different skills and gifts. Some people are good at singing, some are not. Some people are good at drawing, <laughs> some are not. Some people can dance. So it's just whatever reason I could see these things more than most. And so it was Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day, 1985. And um, Jeff had said to me, let's get some proof of this thing. Let's, let's go in the room and see if we can call it out and, and maybe see if we can get some evidence. And I was like, I don't really want to do that. But he convinced me to, to do that. And um, at, at one point in the evening, I did see it above my bed. And, and Jeff had this camera and he was a he was the eyes and ears of the campus. He was took pictures of everything. It was amazing what he could do. But I said, there it is, Jeff, above my bed. Where? Above my bed. I don't see it. Je the dead thing. <laughs> the dead thing looking at us above my bed. That is the ghost. I don't see it. It's right there. He could not see it. So he said to me, if you can see it, take my camera. You get the picture. I said, okay. I raised his camera, took the picture, and I ran out of the room. And then interesting thing is that about... Two weeks later, he got them developed. He had to go to Disney World with his family first. But he came back, and the picture developed. And sure enough, right where I pointed in that moment was this human skeleton above my bed. And so that, I think, impressed him. I was like, wow, he said it was there, and there it was. So he didn't have to see it when it was there to see it on the film, which is kind of cool. I mean, getting a picture like that is like one of a million because not every day in this, in this field is to get something that easy. And for you to get something like that is actually pretty amazing, especially when you're not looking for it and you don't know what you're doing when it yeah. comes to, you know, paranormal investigating. You're just having to take a picture and there you go. You just happen to catch it. And it's just incredible what you got. I mean, I couldn't believe what you showed me. Beginner's luck, I suppose. I mean, like I, know, I know I have good friends who spend hours every week and every weekend going into places and castles and cemeteries, all different places, uh, looking for this evidence, trying to find something. And uh, the first time I put the camera up, I'm like, click, and there it was. So um, I, I sometimes wonder 
if mindset is important. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I saw it like it was looking right at me as a person above my bed. So there's no doubt right. in my mind. And I just picked the camera up and I knew it'd be there and, and there it was. So some people say that maybe that's a poltergeist that maybe I myself was projecting it out, but made it so easy, but I don't think so because I didn't want those things there. It was calm before that moment. And, um, uh, it began to later on affect other people. So, but people have right. always speculated what this could be. Was it a, an oppression? Was it a possession? Was it a, a wandering spirit? Was it a ghost? Was it a demon? What I, I didn't know at the time. And even now, all these years later, it's been 38 years. I still kind of wonder what the heck it was. Although I think I understand a bit more now. Well, I, I hope you do. I mean, you have so many friends in the paranormal field that you already started going out understanding the knowledge of it so it helps now to understand um what happened to you then yeah so it's pretty incredible well jeff took down these notes every single day i have a copy okay. of the notes and you know day after day for months he just continued to write these notes so we could understand because at first i thought that i was going crazy there's no <laughs> such thing as ghosts that cannot be happening i must be seeing things and the cool thing about the notes are when you write notes down, you can read them later on when you're calmed down, right. when you're not so scared and you go through and say, okay, well, it seems to locate itself in this area a lot at this time. You look for patterns and sure enough, eventually with enough evidence, you begin to see, okay, it seems to be forming where the electricity is or heat. It's by the heat vent, the lights, wherever there's energy, it seems to, that's interesting. I see it better at night. I wonder if because it's darker around it and you're going to start understanding more things about the moment because for us, it was like being in a war. I was like, what the heck's going on? We didn't understand it. Yeah. Now it's great. You have TV shows and podcasts like your own. Uh, there are movies. You can under groups everywhere. You can get people to talk to you about them. Back when I was a kid, there was there's nothing. Not really much. Dining, you know, yeah. you Max, here's Johnny. And, and <laughs> like there wasn't much out there, you know? <laughs> yeah. That, that's one of my top favorite, all-time favorite movies. I actually went to, to the hotel and experienced quite a few uh things that we couldn't really explain and it was pretty mm -hmm. crazy so it's definitely worth going there if you ever want to take the trip yeah if you like those things yeah if you <laughs> like those things um so do you feel like when you took the picture did you have did it start up things in the room after that experience you had taking the picture no, I, I don't think the picture itself made much of a difference. It didn't want to be taken, I don't think, because it turned itself around when I took the picture. So I didn't like that. But it was active for a while before that, which is why we wanted to get some evidence as to what it could be. It would watch me at night when I slept. I, my eyes would be right in front of me looking at me and breathing my air. Oh, no, I don't like that. <laughs> my bare feet and rub my feet. Like, it's cold fingernails. <laughs> no, it, no, you no. Know no. Thing. It would wash you, take a shower. It's like, just... It was not a cool, cool thing. And I remember I tried to keep on going different places to sleep. I would sleep in my room, in, in Jeff's room, out in the lobby, in the girls' dorm. I keep on moving where I slept, like I'm on the run, like a terrorist. You know, just to, the thing couldn't couldn't find me. And what really made it get active, though, was the blessing. Um, Paul and I decided that in the movies, they always get a priest, and the priest comes to the place, and he raises his cross up, and in the name of all, it's like this big, powerful scene, you know? So let's go get a priest. Right. And we did have a priest uh, agree to help us. His name was Father Charles Manning. Very, very cool guy. And he did this blessing in the room with uh, with candles and the holy water. He put oil on my head and I looked at my forehead and things. And it was a fast, it was like the movies where there's explosions and electricity and goop. It was just a ceremony with lots of, of 
uh, mist and steam from the incense and stuff. And and then it things come down for a bit. I thought, well, that's pretty cool, but it was temporary. Um, the blessing asked, in that blessing, the priest asked the ghost to find someplace else to be. And the ghost seemed to agree to get out of the room, but was not happy about it. And then he began to attack my friends and attack me. And that's when things got really heated because it seemed to be angry that it couldn't be by me anymore. I don't know how that works, but um, that's when things really amped up. I thought, oh, my gosh. And you can't have a priest bless 24 college rooms. This doesn't work that way. And so right. we had to find other ways around uh, those things. We talked to a professor of psychology. Dr. Dr. Lawrence Kastler wrote a book about uh, different things, and he decided to help us collect evidence with the, with the tape recordings and things. So lots of things were tried, but in the end, it was me who had to end this and talking with the thing. So. Wow. Well, you know, that's why I wanted to ask you if you had any experience, because nowadays when you do do taking yeah. pictures in the room or start anything like that, it causes it to have some activity. So that's why I was curious if, you had any experience after, um, you know, messing around with it a little well, bit because back did. then you didn't really know any better. No, we did. It's just it was bad before and after. But the the blessing, <laughs> trying, to, trying to get it gone was the real hard thing. I mean, before and after it was, it would, you see shadows across the wall in the darkness, in the pitch black, you'd see a, a shadow darker than the dark. Across, like how is that possible and the light yeah, flash like the room seriously. the clocks would flash and we got these freezing oh breezes God. i remember my dad came to visit and uh my dad's a tough dude he was a boxer as a kid you know he's a italian dude you know he's just he's, he's not he's not a scary scary kind of guy and he said that he sat in that room and he got chills up his back and he saw his breath in the room when the heat was still on he didn't understand any of that it's just wow. a weird weird thing so i mean it was <clears throat> The priest said he felt this presence that really concerned him. So sometimes in a haunting, it's two kids smoking pot in the basement. They see something. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. But this, but this, you know what I'm saying? But this was a serious thing where it was myself and Paul and Jeff and Father Charlie and my father and Dr. Kessler and Craig and Linda and Beth and Ed. I mean, Jude, this was a big deal where over a dozen people were experiencing what was happening to me. And so I think because it's such a, provable case in terms of people's uh, people being affected by it. That's why there's been interest with like the sci-fi channel and travel channel, things like that, because it's a unique case. I still don't like it, but it's unique. Yes. So ever since then, do you feel like, has it followed you or you still have those experience till this day in your home and stuff like that? Has it followed me? No, thanks. <laughs> I'm prepared. I, no, thank you. I'm good. I'm, uh, no, I'm fact, sorry. It was just funny the way you did that. <laughs> you see, I tell you, I think I'm always ready just in case, no matter what. It's been 38 years, but it, it affected me so much that I, I still worry that those things. Listen, if, if you ever suffered any kind of attack, uh, you never forget it. No matter if it's physical oh, attack, no, never. you just don't forget. And um, that's the same for me. Uh, my biggest fear, aside from dying in that moment, was if I did get out of that college, would it follow me home? Would it hurt my family and my friends? Right. That's not cool. And so uh, the way in which I tried to end or stop the haunting was at the insistence of my friend Craig, who said, listen, you got to go into that room and talk to that thing. You got to go in and just let it know what's happening because you can't hide from it. You can't use sense of humor. You can't use your appearance. You can't use your parents, the Bible. You have to go in yourself. It wants you. 
and talk to it. And so he convinced me to go, go and butt ass naked into the room and talk this thing. So there's no <laughs> power tie, just, just me, the way God made me. I'm like, uh, okay. And so when I did get a chance to speak to it at the end, I was finally brave enough and it was a scary thing. Uh, I remember telling it, listen, you need to find rest. You, you can't, you can't stay here. And that's what I was trying to impress upon it is that, you know, you need, don't stay here for hundreds of years, just go. That you have yeah. to believe that someone still loves you, that whatever you did can be forgiven by somebody. So I had the sense that it was in pain for a long time and suffering. Didn't I don't like that to attack people and that there's no justification for that. But I think it was kind of like you know, if, if a dog, your family pet or a cat whom you love gets hurt real bad, they might snap at you if you go near them because they're scared and pain. And I kind of think this thing was a human being, a soul who could not find rest because of guilt or or error. And I think it needed someone to tell it, listen, you got to relax and breathe and find rest. And that was the the way in which I tried to handle that at the end. Wow, that's crazy that you feel like you had to do something like that for yourself. I mean, it's really important to do that and for you to know that, not even know a lot of things in the paranormal field. That's, that's pretty incredible to do that for yourself. Well, I felt I had no choice because he would only say one thing, Chris, 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 Linda heard him call Chris, Beth. I mean, everybody heard them call only, so it focused only on me. So I couldn't just say, your turn, you take over next shift. It only focused on me. In fact, it would attack my friends to bring me to them to say, have Chris help us now. His ghost is here. So I couldn't outsmart it. It was smarter than I was, you know, and I couldn't touch it because it was ephemeral. I couldn't, but yeah, right. it, it could affect me and, and do crazy things. So I was really... All I had was my brain to, to think, okay, how do I how do I problem solve? And in the end, with my help of my friends, I, I got very brave and took a risk and talked to it heart to heart. Sometimes you just have to do that. I mean, even though they're not alive, they can still hear you yes. and sort of understand. And you just and it helps. And it's crazy that you're talking to something that isn't there. And it's like that's that's pretty amazing because sometimes it makes you feel like you're going nuts <laughs> yeah other people can always see what you see and, and that's an right. odd thing too so when after the, the horrible shower attack in the bathroom when they found me on the floor just naked oh and bleeding my God. And, you know, with a crest in my back uh, you know they thought i should go to the hospital and get treated and i said no i can't go there they're going to sedate me and then they'll find me they're going to strap me up I, I couldn't do that and so i realized they right. think i'm crazy but I knew that I wasn't. It's it's hard to be in a place where your perception, even if you can prove it to yourself, is different than those around you. It's a scary place to be, you know. And um, luckily, like I said, I had some very good friends who knew that I was a good person, who knew that I was positive and happy, and they realized something was really wrong with this, and they really stepped in to help help me survive these moments, you know, whether it meant to be in their room for safety or record ideas down or bring me to the priest or to the parapsychologist or my friends have always been there through everything even when it came time to share this experience 20 years later it was my friends who said trust us we've got your back and that's how this all happened there would be no ghost boy without the friends that i had yeah i i see that because whenever i see you at the events um you always have your friends with you you got yeah. your love and support and yeah. and i'm glad that you have that for yourself because a story like this is really hard to come by. And sometimes, you know, when people don't believe in the paranormal, they'll make you look like you're going nuts. Yeah. And you'll be like, oh, yeah. it's fake or, you know, yeah. 
you made that it's not real but you know in yourself that it is real because you captured that and you have proof from other people who has told you like look right. he's not going crazy yeah i it would be better if i was because just go to therapy <laughs> you know just take some medication you have some therapy i'm making a drug but it's, it's true if you have a, a chemical or hormonal imbalance take a pill for that some medication go to therapy it's gone but the fact that I couldn't do that, like it was just something dead in my room, something who wanted to attack me, somebody who wanted to control me. That's worse than having a little perception problem, you know? So yeah. and there were times, and I said to myself, just let me be crazy, please. Let me just be crazy. It's much easier just to get treatment and have this dead thing following me around, calling my name. And uh, that might sound odd to some people, but trust me, when there, you can't control your life at all, it's hard to live in it. But it's crazy, though, but it's like, why me why this room why was i chosen like was there a purpose for this because look where i am now now i'm a paranormal investigator i'm out doing what others do was that supposed to be my calling is that why the spirit came to me do you ever think like that uh, i thought about that every day when it was happening like why is this happening to me i wasn't a bad kid i didn't you know what i'm saying i got a's in school i listened to my parents i went to church i mean I wasn't the kind of person that people supposed would be doing these things. I was a, the, the boy next door, basically. And I, I usually thought that punishments were for, for those who deserve punishment. That's, But life isn't always like that. Life isn't always fair. And sometimes bad people get good things and good people get bad things. And I guess that's that's the way it worked. But, you know, I, during the whole time of the haunting, I never quite knew why it wanted to do these things to me. Uh, many, many years later, somewhat 20 years later, we began to find out piece by piece who it might have been. Right. And the interesting thing about that is, again, this is not me doing research. My mom did some research. Jeff did some research. And we put together that on my mom's side, going back seven generations to the 1770s, uh, her relatives, Thomas and excuse me, um, Adam and Bernard Hubley, um, discovered the body of a person who was killed by this tree. And his name was Thomas Boyd. I thought, oh my gosh, we called the ghost Tommy. And when I talked to the ghost the very last night, I, you know, I asked him, like, where are you from? He said, Danville. And I said, oh, that's weird. And Thomas Boyd was from Danville, Pennsylvania. I'm like, what the? And he was killed in a tree that I ran past almost every day for cross country. So there were so many connections, but it blew my mind that it, it, was, it was possible that my ancestors buried his body properly from if he'd been killed by Native Americans. I thought, oh my gosh. Right. That's an, so maybe maybe this this thing this whatever it was knew that there was a connection to those people who actually buried him or maybe he just thought that this guy can see me and he can hear me he's the one it's hard to say I don't think there's the room itself I don't think because the the people in the room before me the year before I knew one of them and he didn't say anything happened the year prior it just seemed to happen when I was there so I think that Jeff was right that I kind of picked this up on a run it must have sensed me oh my gosh this is the person who's both have saved me or this is the person who can see me i think i kind of by mistake brought it home you know uh, it's it'd be it'd cool to say the roars did it but the warrants didn't do it you know so so that's what i understand now did you have you say you have met the warrens yeah i met them at college it wasn't like i wanted it to be in fact i have to be honest at the time i thought there were show people kind of like you know star wars star trek where game of thrones they just talk about these stories and they're cool stories right. i didn't I didn't realize until I heard them talk, they were real about it. They actually believed there were ghosts that, that were here. They actually believed that there were hauntings. And I'm like, huh, I never had that kind of exposure. And they thought different than I did. I, I you know, 
Lorraine Warren kept on saying something that bothered me. Like attracts like. I'm like, no way, it doesn't, because a magnet, like pulls your pill. But she wasn't talking about science, talking about spirit, which is very different. And right. I, so I, I began to understand there's two ways to look at something, the scientific and, and the spiritual. And sometimes they don't match up at first glance, you know, but you can learn from both those things, both sides of the argument. And uh, so the things that they mentioned at that uh, at that uh, symposium were fascinating. And I, I did speak very briefly to Lorraine, but she didn't want to do anything with me because she she felt as though I would read her, her future, her mind, which I thought was silly. But years later, almost 30 years later, I met her daughter, uh, Judy. And I was at this event and, you know, by now I'm known. And Judy came over and said, oh my gosh, you're Chris, right? I'm like, yeah, you're the ghost boy? I said, yes. He goes, my mom <laughs> loved you. I'm like, no, I don't think Aww. she did. In fact, let me tell you what happened. No, no, she goes, listen, because Judy didn't like going to the events. She didn't like the ghost stuff that much. She would stay in the car sometimes or draw or listen to music or write things. And and so her mom apparently had said to her that she came back saying there's some kid there with this big aura. It's like, right. wow, pretty cool. But that it distracted her from doing what she does, doing her readings and things like that. So I was stopping her show because what I, what, I, what I was. And so Ed pushed me off to keep the show going because they're being paid. I'm like, oh. So for 30 years, I thought they didn't like me. I'm like a bad person. I don't want to bother them. And that turns out, no, it was the opposite. She was interested in my aura because it said it was like large and gold. And, and she also hmm. was thought maybe I could read her mind with this aura. So it was the opposite. She respected what I was. I just didn't understand as a teenager what that meant. And so, because I was angry for all these years and it turned out that I misunderstood. And I never wow. had the courage to go talk to her about that. But I did reach out to her family uh, near the end of her life. But by that point in time, she already had an onset of dementia. And so it wouldn't have been a practical thing to go and talk to her. And she wouldn't know who I was. And so I don't want to make her uncomfortable. Yeah, it was really sad to, to yeah. see her go. I always wanted to, to meet her. But, you know, she was always busy with her stuff going on and her events yeah. and everything but that's really cool that you got to yeah. connect with her family and everything yeah. like that she was in her it's 30s awesome. back then she was in her 30s and there are two statues right behind me there are black statues of monks can you see them yes those are from ed warren's library he got them in spain and wow. that was a gift i'd gotten for donating to the to the warrens for their charity they had and something from his library is nice thing so Wow, that's incredible. Were I you... got to have some Ed Warren stuff, learning more stuff in my house. I had a business <laughs> card too, but I gave it to somebody who, who just loved the Warrens so much they cried. So I gave it the business card I had. So. Oh, that was cool. That was nice well, of you. Well, that, that's what it's about. I me. Mean, you, you can't take those things with you. So if I, I loved having it, but if someone's going to cry over it, like, oh, have it. There you go. Yeah, have a good year. And that, that was a nice thing to do. I like to be nice to people. So. Well, I well for what I've seen and since I've known you for so long, you are a wonderful and sweet person. So for what I've seen, okay. <laughs> did you um when you took that? I'm curious. Were you nervous to take that from him? Did you were scared? Maybe there was any attachments or anything of the sort. No, I I really wasn't. I was honored that to have something from them here because at the time when you live your life when you're young you don't understand what things mean quite yet you don't you're looking for the future opportunities hope falling in love getting careers right. you don't really appreciate things as i didn't like i'm supposed to looking back that was a cool moment to have where oh, you know, yeah. like that for and, sure. and so i appreciate those things uh, i i have seen or experienced a few objects that seem to have something in them or with them attached 
but most things I found do not. It's more usually areas that people have passed away in that they didn't want to leave. Or sometimes right. people themselves track things with them, whether they be spirit guides or angels or whatever they are, you know. So I generally yeah. don't I generally don't see things being possessed or haunted. So these things seem fine. I, I like them. And if I thought they were really bad, I'd give them to somebody else. <laughs> like well, back. I think that's pretty amazing that you got something from him. I mean, yeah. not every day somebody gets a gift from the Warrens and they're pretty huge right now. So yeah. So that's that's awesome. So speaking on television, I see that you've been on Sci-Fi and the Traveling Channel. Were you eager to get your story across, or did they just come to you to want put you on a paranormal show? I don't know if your listeners know too much about television. It sounds good when you first talk about. It. It's like a big roller coaster. I'm gonna go the roller right. coaster. When you get there, you're like, uh-oh, this is way too high. You're click, click, click. You can't get off. Um, I was always wary of television because they can control everything about you. They yes. can put your words together, put bad shots. So the first time I was on television was on the Sci-Fi Channel. But I was talking at Penn State University, Penn State, to they had a paranormal group there. And I didn't know at the time, but I guess there was someone in the audience who worked for NBC. They own Sci-Fi. And then the guy says to me, listen, I want to put you on Sci-Fi. I'm like, uh, okay. I thought it was just kidding around. And then, no, within a, two weeks, I got a phone call, and I, I found myself in 2012 going to New York City and then to Brooklyn and filming in a sound studio um, for Sci-Fi School Spirits, Storm Room Nightmare with my friend Jeff, my dad, my friend Beth from college. That was pretty, pretty weird stuff. And then four years after that, I got to go on to Travel Channel for my horror story. Uh, it's interesting because it doesn't really change who you are. But people will treat you differently because you've been on television. So when they see like an hour show about you, like, oh, you're so, they, you mean more to them. You, you really shouldn't, but you right. do because, and then if you put next to your name on your poster, sci-fi, travel channel, coast to coast, people will pay you to go to their shows and all of a sudden they want to, you're an expert, but it just means you had an opportunity. I never wanted to do these things. Um, and this is going to happen to me again. And I can't say too much, but in May, I'll be filming, I'll be interviewed for like three or four days for a mini series. I'm making a wow. mini experience uh, coming out in September. And I, let me just say it it could be the world's largest streaming uh, network. So okay. this will be 10 times bigger than anything I've ever done. So if I thought sci-fi was crazy, no, you're going to see my face on CNN, on C-SPAN, on Fox, <laughs> on YouTube and Twitter on Twitch. Right? People be people be watching my 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 episodes one two three these hour long episodes when they drop like all over the world. They'll be in twenty four languages and so. Oh my god! My life and that's one of the reasons I'm trying to lose weight. It's a good example of other heart health and things like that. I'm trying to get my mind together to stay positive and make sure a positive message comes out of this scary, scary moment. Um, the production team I'm working with from London. They are amazing people. They're intelligent. They're creative. They worked on amazing shows like The Vatican Girl and things like that and Don't Blank with Cats and just amazing people. Uh, and, and so I'm very honored about that. I'm taking it very seriously because I'll probably never have a bigger megaphone than this. This will be right. my, my chance to create a legacy that hopefully is positive and informative. So I don't use the N-word on your show, if you know what I'm saying. No, you're right. Okay. It's okay. It might be that. It might be oh, the end at the end. I, you know, it's amazing a uh, story, something like this from back then 
until now. Did you did you ever think like it would turn out to this way in your life? Not a clue. It was the most horrible time of my life. It was if you ask me what people not talk about, it'd be those 90 days in Geneseo. And ironically, it's so ironic. That's what people talk about all the time. And I was just to write a book. And so there'll be a new book coming out. It'll be called The Ghost Boy. Yes, I will make sure I will grab it and I you know, will have it on hand. And that'll be in, in August. So uh, it's being edited by a lot of editor from the New York Times. It's pretty cool. So, I mean, this is big deal stuff. I hope I'm up for the challenge. It will put me into this top stratosphere of people. So I'll be able to go to right. Houston, Paris. But uh, my, my goals, like I said, are to make sure that it's a positive message and that I, I present myself in a good way and, and that I can share this in a way that is serious so people can say listen i i've also suffered through hard times because no matter what it is whether it's cancer loss of a child unemployment uh whatever you have in your life that's having your hard time with your health you have choices to make and no one likes these choices but that's who you really are and so i'm going to try to talk about the idea of being true to yourself about not isolating about trusting your friends about getting sleep eating your food because in the end the haunting isn't about who the ghost was. It's not about who I am. It's how do human beings, how do people work through with help of their friends, tough times. And so I'm yeah. hoping that will translate through. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm old now. I could be here five years, 10 years, who knows, not much longer, but I'm hoping the story, the message of what happened to my friends and I will last for a long time. Um, well, I would think that it would because, you know, there's so many people out there that, you know, could have the same experience as you in a college dorm and maybe, you know, they'll catch what your story is about and help them learn with their experience yeah. and keep them safe. And you ever feel like you hope that is what's going to happen in the future with others? Sure. I would love what you said to happen, but there's free will. So people are free to drink and drive. They're free to engage in domestic violence. They're free to hurt their children. They're free to ignore their children. They're free to do drugs, all these things, you know? So uh, I hope those things don't happen, but I'm hoping my message can affect their free will in a way that they don't do those things. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, right. I can't say people don't do things. All I can do is possibly show them a way forward. Well, I, I truly believe that your story is going to help others and make them f understand uh, when they experience something like that, because a lot of people do understand the supernatural, you know, now, but a lot of people don't really care for it. A lot of people can be skeptics, but sure. when the skeptics have that more experience, they're like, oh my God, oh my God moment. So it's like, you know, who knows, they might have your book on handy and say, well, you know what, I'm glad I had his book because now his book really guided me through what I was experiencing, and now I'm not going crazy because he experienced the exact same thing. I think that's a very fair point. Let's let, let's be real. People are sometimes skeptical about love. Even there's no love. It's just right. So people will be skeptical about many things. You know, about trusting someone, about the government, about the media. Right? People are always concerned about something. Yeah. Uh, and so I think the paranormal is probably no different. But the challenge of the paranormal is there are a few facts. There's not lots of data there. It's supposed to be those impressions and feelings. And it's hard to talk about things honestly because it's not an idea. 
it's a feeling, it's a belief. And so when you challenge someone on their data, you're not saying, well, this looks like this to me. You're saying, I don't believe you. Just because they're saying, oh, this is what I'm telling you. So it's hard to have sometimes conversations with the paranormal that are constructive or conducive. So you you have, haven't seen me ever right, get in an argument on Facebook ever, right? Any place? I don't do it. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I, I just, if someone reaches out to me some evidence, I'll just say, listen, you know, it's just, I will take a look at this, but understand this is my opinion. And yeah. I want you to understand my opinion. Yours might differ. But I will, yeah. I will not lie to you. I'll tell you what I honestly feel. And that, that kind of diffuses that a little bit, you know? And if, if I think it's legitimate, I'll say, listen, this is really amazing. And here's some things you can do about that. If I think it's just a reflection of things, say, listen, this is something that I, I have to see as an app on a cell phone once. And I know what this is. And if someone's tricking you, please tell them not to trick you. And if, if you want to, people think this is real, please don't. You'll hurt yourself. Your integrity is very important. And once people think you're not telling the truth, they'll never believe you. So respect yourself, respect your friends and family, and don't share that. That's how I try to approach it, you know? And I, I tell them that you don't get famous or rich or get notoriety because you want to get famous or rich or noticed. You, these things happen because you do something you love so well. When you, have, when you do something well and it shines through, people will respect you and see what you do. And that's how people reach out to you and say, listen, I want to hear you talk again. I want to get a reading from you again. I want to hear you this place again. And that's my experience, you know? And and you know what? You've, I've talked with you a number of times. Mm -hmm. I really stress the idea of being kind to people. I do. Of, of, of building bridges, not, you know, fences. And, right. And, and so I think that helps too. And they could say, Chris, you know what? I don't believe a, believe a thing you're saying about that ghost, but I like you. Win-win. That's what important. <laughs> like each other. Yep, that's it. Um, yeah, skeptics nowadays are really hard to really open their eyes and make them see, like, look, you know, I know TV makes it out to be more than it is, but, you know, in the long run, there are people out there with real hard evidence of the paranormal and it's amazing what people yes. have brought and shown me and what you have captured is not every day people are going out there and say hey listen oh look i have a ghost no it's not like that it's no. you know we're it's not that we want to show people that there are ghosts out there but when you have the you know, the moment that you had, that's something that you want to treasure for the rest of your life because not every day you get something like that. And, you know, that's why I try to tell skeptics, especially when it comes to, you know, for myself showing that, oh, I have this gift and I can see and talk to spirits. But, you know, and then when I show them that, look, you know, I'm telling them the truth and, and I shot them and it's like, oh my God, well, this is what we're trying to show you when it comes to the paranormal as well. So yeah, it's really, uh, it's really is difficult with um, people these nowadays and just keep sharing your story and just keep oh, showing you. people what you got because sooner or later in the long run, it's really going to open people's eyes to, when it comes to the paranormal. I hope so. See the sci-fi network is geared to people who like sci-fi and things like that, right? So School Spirits was all received. And then the Travel Channel has all these kind of ghost things. But this new place, the N-Word, has all kinds of shows. And they don't specialize They don't specialize in ghost things. And so I know that when this is seen by 80 million people, that one-third will say, oh, this is, this is silly ghost stuff. That's a challenge. That's fine. So I have to make sure yeah. I present 
what happened in a clear, meaningful, controlled way to so say like, well, wait, what, what did happen? What? So this guy's taking a scientific approach, but what, in other words, I want them to understand that you shouldn't turn someone off because of a word. Right. right? And I mean, if you look at this picture, I mean, I think at the time of the haunting began, I was, I was hoping you have it. <laughs> I was, I was 19, Jeff was 20. We we're basically kids, you know, we didn't, we wow. didn't know, you know, and, and so, uh, that's just what we experienced. And I really think I might be wrong, but I really think that if, if you talk to people, um, in a meaningful way, uh, with an honesty, they'll at least listen to your words and then they might go back and think, you know what? I have no reason to doubt his honesty. I'm confused about what he's saying, but I'll think about that. Whereas if you say, listen, this is the truth. You have to believe me. I'm telling you, don't be stupid. There's, there's no way that's going to work with people who don't already believe what you believe. And that's what politics is today. Politics. You know, you've, you've got radical left and MAGA right, and just all these terms and names and terrorist and communist. And it's really hard, even if you believe those things, to, to talk them, to talk as a, as a family. And I really think that um, as, a, as a school teacher, as a dad, a grandpa, as a brother, as a son, I really think you can, in some degree, disagree respectfully, because that's how you have conversations that allow you to see both sides. And you might be surprised that as people, we may have different skin color, different languages, different belief systems, different gender, whatever. But we have the same basic needs to be loved, to feel safe, to be happy, to eat, to sleep, to dream. And I think if if in any field you work in, if you think about those basic needs, because in the end, where do we go? Either incinerated through, through cremation or in, in a tomb under the ground. I mean, that's our shared fate, you know? And so we better get a, a check on ourselves to realize we got this one time through for sure. Let's enjoy it, make the most of it, rather than living our lives yelling and hating and accusing. This not much good in that. Yeah. So, do you, with your story, do you feel since it happened, has it been such an inspiration with kids in college? Do you feel like to go to college and and talk and have? Um, and share your story with them. Do you ever feel like you want to do something like that? Those are my favorite places to talk, colleges. I've, I've talked at Geneseo, my school I went to where the haunting occurred four times. I've spoke at SUNY Orange. I've spoke at Penn State University, all different colleges. I like colleges because that was my crowd when it happened. And so I think they're intrigued to say, oh my gosh, this wasn't like an abandoned warehouse. It wasn't some old fort from World War II. This, this was something that happened in college in a dorm room to someone who's my age. And because, you know, when you're that age, you're not even fully mature yet until you think. And so right. I think those kids relate really well to what happened to me. And like you said, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping that the message gets through to them at an early age before they're 75 or 80. Not that's a bad thing. It's just the sooner, <laughs> the, sooner the better, you know, and uh, it's, it's fascinating. I didn't, the first time I shared publicly was, at Geneseo, 25 years after the haunting, on the same campus that I saw and Lorraine Warren talking about ghosts, I thought, that's stupid. You could never do that. That's silly. And there I was. And I was so nervous. I don't know if I wanted to speak or not. And I remember I told the person in charge of the event, listen, I got a quarter right here. I'm flipping it. Heads, I talk. Tails, I walk. No, 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 don't, don't do that. Don't do it. It was heads, but I would probably say it anyway. But I remember I walked on the stage expecting to see maybe 10 people. Hundreds, 
like oh, right. oh, oh. and you can tell I, I can hit fairly well um I stood on that stage my hands were trembling my legs I said hi little giggles uh, my name is Christy Cesare and I used to be the ghost boy of Geneseo and, <laughs> and then at that moment I realized it's okay to share people want right. to hear the experience and in fact there's a guy in the audience named Tim Shaw with the first book about the haunting uh it looks like this Tim Shaw wrote the first one uh, that's a picture of me with the ghost coming towards me yep I've and seen that said share your experience let people know tell them i've been looking for 20 years for you i i'm glad you're real you're here because i heard the, all the urban legends go share and i and i have since wow um that's incredible um i was thinking too like you ever get nervous when you go to a new college and you start talking and are you afraid of that moment where it goes dead silent and there's like no reaction well um I can tell you without exaggeration that before I speak every single time, and I've spoken 500 times, I get mm. nervous. I get nervous for two reasons. Because each time I share my experience, I have to relive it a little bit. And that is a scary thing. And I'm also oftentimes talking to some new people for the first time. And they've paid their money to get to the event, or they've taken the time to come see me. So it's my obligation to present to them an experience that is interactive, that is interesting and meaningful. So I take it very seriously. But once once I get talking, I'm usually pretty good because it's a matter of just recall, just recalling the events, not trying to hit bullet points and things. And no, um, sometimes quiet is good in a presentation. That means they're thinking, they're listening. Right. You know, I, I don't mind the quiet because they're not talking above me. They're not telling jokes. So if they're quiet listening, I actually like that because they're doing one thing. They're paying attention. For me, it's a great, great thing. And I try to, when I speak, I can't always do it well, find somebody to make eye contact with who's just not in their head like because that means you're saying yes to me i want to hear this and so i try to focus on those folks who will laugh at a joke i make or make eye contact because then we're creating a relationship professional but it's a relationship so that they can go home and tell their sister mom dad whoever their co-worker i met this ghost boy guy someone sci-fi years ago they had a, it was pretty cool i had a nice time talking with him and and i think making that kind of connection is cool because then you might be on vacation in ohio or florida and say hey i know you just it becomes like this family situation where you you have a shared experience which i really like because i thought for years i couldn't ever blend in with society anymore you know people were out there uh reading books and tossing frisbees and falling in love in college i was in the room with this thing going <sighs> so i didn't know how to how to do that I thought life was very unfair and uh i've learned over the years not to not to isolate yourself and to be able to accept help when you need to that what how do you feel when it comes to, you, you know how kids can be nowadays, you know, they can be jerks and, you know, because they're teenagers. Do you ever get like the negative questions and reactions to your story when you go to these things? I'm a school teacher. So I get a lot of negative questions during the course of the day. Why do you have homework? Why is it important? Why do you care? So those things don't face me. In fact, a negative question means the person is confused and they need some kind of guidance. You can't say those things. It's not Christian. Uh, you're going to go to hell. You deserve deep. The people like that so I want to talk to most because they don't know me. They barely know my words and they're judging me. So that's the kind of person I think really needs to hear the message that I'm sharing. I take no offense because let me tell you the truth. If I was 18, 19 and I heard what I was saying now, I'd say, that's a bunch of garbage. 
I'd be the same both they were. And that's okay. It's like I let people have their own personalities, their own opinions. I don't mind as long as not rude to other people, you know, that I'm, I'm okay with that. And that can create some cool dialogue. You know, I, uh, I, I, I see a question in the chat. It's from David. Yes. Holt. Can I answer yep. that real quick? My good friend David Holt wants to know what is your thoughts on the haunted forest? Well, you know, the idea of haunted forests with pixies, fairies, and all these things that the the, uh, the dark forest has been in for ages, for centuries. The idea of Pan with the with the goat legs and running through everything from our fairy tales, like Sleeping Beauty and the Dwarves, and the, all those things. I Just this, this afternoon, I was talking with a person with a production company about just that, about I ran. I was a runner cross-country all the time. And I'd run through forests and mountains and things, and there'd be times where I would get these feelings that something was there and something something was in the forest and 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 there was a knowing there a sense of something being there and to tell you the truth it always intrigued me it reminded me of being like in a token novel you know so i i never like pursued these things that were there that created these moments but i've also felt there are good things in the forest as well it's nature it's life and it was not unlike me and this is might embarrass some of your listeners but i was very fond in high school and college of taking all my clothes off and running naked to the forest running naked just like an elf that's what I did because I felt I was part of that. And I liked mythology. I liked the idea of the gods having personalities like people. You know, I mean, I, I studied Judaism, the Muslim faith, Christianity, but I really love reading the mythologies, the the other ways of thinking about the essence of nature and spirit. So uh, I, I, my belief is, and I can't make anyone believe this, that there is spirit in many places. And that if you look for good, you're probably going to find it. Not always, but you're probably going to. And I Go out there, go camping, go through the forest, you know, hug that tree, draw pictures, paint the forest, be there, you know, because um, I, as I said, try to experience what you can in a safe way while you have these eyes and these ears. So, yeah, I, I like the concept. I know there's darkness in some things like anything else where there's life, there's death. But I, I love the idea of the forest on the idea of the spirits and the trees. And I think that's a really beautiful idea. Well, thank you, David, for your question. I really do appreciate it. Um, yeah, that was an interesting question because um, I didn't know, like, if Forrest has something to do with your story. Well, I'm pretty sure there's there's something. There might be a movie called that. I don't know our show, but I but my experience with the forest, I read about it in my book, actually, about four pages about that, about being in the forest and feeling connected and having your bare, oh, okay. feet, having your bare feet touch the ground. And feel the energy right. of that, the healing energy yes. of, of being in a waterfall. I used to sit in the waterfall, just the water rush over me and just feel the cold yes. water on me and just the sparkles of light in front of my eyes and the rushing of the water, you hear your heartbeat. Just an amazing thing to be part of nature, you know, if you allow it. Yeah. Um, for me personally, if you don't understand it, it's supposed to be a very good thing for grounding, uh, getting connected with. Um, the earth and, and the, the life and the trees and it's supposed to help you wash away all the, the negative and whatever attachments you have going on and and supposedly it's supposed to help you pull all that away when you're touching trees and and the, yeah. this is the no, there, there, this is censored but this is me in the waterfall can you see oh okay yep I love that just getting the waterfall and just it kind of grounded me. <laughs> well, if you want to ground yourself, you can't hug a, a huge tree. You can sit. <laughs> in a, you can sit in a bunch of moss. You can you can grab a tree. You can watch the animals. You can do what you want. We spend a lot of time in boxes, in rooms, and offices. 
you know, cooked up to computers and wires with lights and ceilings. And, you know, we don't always allow my, my, my little granddaughter, when she was here last, this past Christmas time, we went for a walk oh. and she's like, look, the moon, the moon. And, uh, there it was, I didn't even see it, but she saw it right away. Cause I'm always focused on the here and now she, who's three years old, looked up and saw it I'm like, that's right. Wow. I, I left the moon with her. It was a very refreshing thing that through her young eyes. Oh, that's cute. Um, so I have one curious question only because it just came to mind. Do you, is there anybody in your dorm now from the dorm that you stayed in in college? I was just curious. Yeah, people do live there. I, I went there with a friend about three years ago, right before COVID struck. And I just want to show him where the things happened. And we right. happened to go into the, the dorm area. And on the wall were pictures from of me and Jeff. And they go, oh, it was like a shrine to the haunting right in that area. And then there was a young kid there in a chair. He goes, oh, my God, it's him. It's him. It's him. It's him. It's him. <laughs> all, all his friends gathered around. They all like sat around me. I was able to share the experience. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting, you know. Uh, so again, it's a matter of perception. The, the people who were in that room know its history in that that lounge, and they celebrate it. And so I don't. That is awesome. I just, I just, I couldn't believe that such a bad it's thing. Like happened. An icon. It's being remembered, and even in that way, so it's pretty amazing stuff. I thought, wow. That see, well, now because your story is so huge, and you're an inspiration and an idol for these kids to be like, you know. It's incredible that they call you in and, and like, oh my God, it's him. And I'm staying in his dorm and it's, you know, is anything going to happen to me? And that must be really incredible to you that yeah. you get it's, that it's nice to It's nice that they think highly of me, but I, I remind them, listen, you know, do your studies, you know, pursue your life, you know, take care of yourself. It's life isn't about me or the ghost, it's about you. And the whole yeah. time the haunting was happening, it was about trying to survive it and get back to my life. And so I know that hauntings are interesting because they're very rare sometimes or they're not in the common experience. I get it, you know, like elephant man's bones. But still, you know, it's uh, my goal was not to have it happen, but it was to have what they <laughs> have now. So folks looking for the paranormal, not having it. That's what I wanted to have back then. But life sometimes throws you a curveball. And in those moments, you know, because we label ourselves, you're a jock, a geek, a stoner, a metalhead, you're a hippie, what, you're a yuppie, but really you're not. You just call it, but really who you are is inside. And you often don't reveal that unless you have to in a crisis. And then you find out not what you want to be, but who you are. And that was tough for us. Yeah, I'm just, you know, so happy for you that your story really took a turn to where people are so inspired now um with mm -hmm. it and people who stay in the college dorm and and it's i'm really happy that it turned out the way it did for you and it's great and did you ever feel like it was going to turn out like this like for you to be such a huge inspiration for people and no. taking off and it's crazy no i no i no no i mean i don't determine that People find value in what I do. I don't walk around saying I'm inspiring. I just I'm glad that they are inspired by what happened, you know. But that's not my my goal was to survive, and I learned some coping skills in surviving. And I think because it was a rare situation that people looked for, people pay notice to it. But uh, you know, I 
I was no different than everyone else who go, walks through those doors to go to college. You know, maybe I ran a little faster, maybe I talked a little faster, <laughs> but other than that, you know, I was like them. I just wanted to get a career. In yeah. and, but like I said, life life does happen and I'm I'm happy that people find value in my sharing and I'm I'm very gratified they find value in speaking with me or listening to me lecture. But you know, again, I, I'll tell you, I say a thousand times, without the help of Jeff or Ed or Linda or Judy or Beth or Paul or Father Charlie or my father or my family or any of these people, I'm not here. I don't survive the way I did. So there's like, oh, the ghost boy this, the ghost boy that, and all these shows and things. But the absolute truth is I'm not here without them. You know, they saw something in me in those moments that wanted to help me rather than run from what was happening. And I will always be thankful for them. So I just have to say, you know, that those people need to be thanked as well. They're kind of quiet about it. I'm the, I'm the mouthpiece now. But uh, in the next, in the mini series, you'll see in the fall, there'll be six of us now, not just me talking about what happened. Wow. You know, I think that's a great blessing for me to have six, maybe more. We'll see how it works out. But they're they're digging out people from their homes and <laughs> we're seeing each other for the first time in 30 years. So I'm checking up those little friendships. So not only will it be, I think, a fascinating experience for people who watch that streaming network, and who like the haunting. It's all be an interesting experience. People who just like stories about people, about coming of age, about learning about oneself, because really looking back, it's more meaningful to talk about how we were changed by the experiences than trying to pinpoint who the ghost was exactly or right. what I was thinking, you know. Well, I'm really glad that, you know, everything worked out the way you thought it was going to work out from then until now. And I'm glad that you know, you've been on, you know, Paranormal TV, you got your books, and you're just keep going, just keep going with it, because you just never know where it's going to lean up. And I think for you, for what I've seen, I really think that it's going to be something great for you and Bink. And just keep thinking positive. You never know where it's going to turn. Yeah, so I, I, my fingers crossed for you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, always. You know, you always got my love, Chris. <laughs> you know. So um, it was a pleasure and an honor to have you here tonight. And I really was happy for my guests to see um, your incredible story and your tales, the show. And um, so is there any else you want to share that you have coming up besides May? where they can find you and uh, locate you and to see where they can find your books and any information like that. Sure. Well, right now, if the folks listening have been involved with productions, they know there's usually a, a media blackout for a while. So you're not going to see anything about this until probably August. And so because of that, I'm doing no presentations. Nothing's happening. My book is being edited now, like I said, said by uh, that New York Times. Um, it'll be published probably in August or late August when the advertisement starts for the actual show itself. Once that happens, I'll be a lot of places. Um, I'm working through a company now called Cedar Ventures who will schedule my appearances and things like that. So Cedar Ventures is where you want to reach out to, to, to book me for an event, but they will work with me to find a balanced approach to where I'm going, who I'm speaking with. Uh, I prefer to go to events where they do fundraising for NACA animal shelters, for the homeless, for you know, the, the military, things like that. That's my preference. And we'll see how that goes. So right now it's going to be very quiet for me for the next three or four months, but you won't there'll be too much of me and my, my funny face by the time we have to fall. So, <laughs> but yeah, the book is called the ghost boy of Erie hall that comes out, like I said, probably in that time period. And 
my fingers are crossed. I would just let your listeners know to please, if you can, enjoy the moments you have. You know, every day someone is diagnosed with cancer. Every day someone's laid off from yeah. work. Every day someone's going to depression. There are bad things we face, but every day is an opportunity. Every day is a chance for you to taste some new food, to exercise, to laugh with someone, to read a good book. So I'd encourage you. The most important thing I learned was to enjoy each day as best you can. I think it's a good message to share. So thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate it. Well, it was an honor, like I said, to have you here. And I think your story is very important. Um, no matter what, everybody's paranormal story is important, uh, even if you're not on a paranormal team. And I was happy to share that for you tonight. You're welcome. Well, thank you very much, Chris. It was an honor for you to be here. And, and like always, uh, Happy hauntings and enjoy the rest of your evening. And I hope to have you back on in, in the future. All right, Chris, thank you very much. And I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Good night. Love you. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it, everybody. Thank you all for coming on tonight. I had a wonderful time with Chris. Please go check out his books. And please go check out his events wherever he is. He's amazing to meet in person. From my personal experience, um, he's lovely and you would not be disappointed. Go and, you know, support what he does. It's not, you know, easy to come by these days when it comes to capturing a picture of the supernatural only because... You know, he just happened to be there. It was just a place where it was, has something in the room. And now look where he is today. You know, but I hope his inspiration helps others in the long run and helps understand when it comes to um, having that same experience. And that's why I want to share his story on my show um everybody to me and my heart is important when it comes to this so thank you very much everybody for tuning in thank you for all the likes and loves and, and questions i really do appreciate it and everybody else who tuned in a little later thank you victor i really appreciate it so with that said thank you everybody tune in tomorrow i will be having tom bates on my show and he will be coming on at nine o'clock is going to be a busy, crazy week. Um, so like I said, um, tune in Monday, tune in for, uh, Tuesday, Mon Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> and then double two book shows on Friday night. So it is going to be to make your head spin. Um, not like the exorcist. So sorry to disappoint you on that, but I don't go that road. So thank you all and happy and Enjoy your time on Sunday night, and thank you all for tuning in, and hope to see you tomorrow. Happy huntings. Stay spooky for me, my friends. Love you all.
See you all later.